Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right, welcome to Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor. I am your host, Victor Dadash. I hope you are having an amazing day. So for today, we have one incredible guest. This guy, when by the time he was in his 30s, had already built multiple national companies and was featured in Fortune Magazine, CNN, Money, and was quoted by Inc. Magazine and featured in many other news stories. In 2014, he successfully sold his national medical legal trial presentation company to a biotech that became publicly traded months later. And with with the highly unique background of having been a master's degree trained fine artist, owning a national litigation support company, dissecting human cadavers in a medical school, competing as a skateboarder, launching multiple national companies from scratch, and taking his family to travel across the world, across 29 countries for an entire year, and having advised the founders of companies doing hundreds of millions per year in revenue. And he founded the National by Invitation Only Community of CNOs and Entrepreneurs known as 12 Mavens, which the Business Journal refers to as the Secret Society of CEOs. So let's welcome Jeff Davis. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. So Jeff, I'd like to get started by asking you to please share your story. How did you become an entrepreneur? What What led you on that journey? Yeah, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I'm one of those guys that even in grade school, it was like coming up with ideas to sell stuff. I think, I, you know, I'd sell my matchbox cars to other kids, you know, in class. And I, I came up with all kinds of ideas for making money. Uh, I've just always had that throughout my life. Anything that I was really passionate about, I was always thinking, how could I make a business out of this? You know, like skate, I love skateboarding. I, I found a wood manufacturer uh, in California and then uh, started calling every skate shop in America selling skateboards. Wow, that's awesome. So pretty much this has always been, uh, yeah, you've always been one since you were a kid. You always came up with different ideas. And and it seems like a, a lot of entrepreneurs are like that. They always knew when they were young, they, they were interested in those kind of things, like whether selling skateboards, selling, you know, lemonade, a lemonade stand. They always, they always got that. So... So when you went into, so when you became an adult, say you were 18 or 20, um, is that when you really took off on your entrepreneurial journey when you started, you know, setting up your own companies? When did you really become super? So obviously you always liked it when you were a kid, but when is when you, your, your, your big journey really started? You know, right I, I'd say it's still debatable whether I've become an adult yet or not. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I don't know. I think it, like in college, when I, I started the skateboard company, that was the first time that I was actually, you know, like I didn't know the expression cold calls yet. I'd never heard of that or direct response mailers. I, mean, I didn't know any of the lingo. I just was like doing stuff to try to get people to buy them. And uh, but I guess that was the first like actual kind of a business. Um, then I, I would say out of after grad school, a couple years after grad school, my late 20s is when I really started to get serious about starting a legitimate company that I could grow and hire employees and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so pretty much you would say basically when you had your skateboard company, you know, in your college years, your early you know, 20s, that's when you started doing so. You didn't realize at the time it was just calling. You were just trying to sell the skateboards. And, you know, but basically you were always doing the entrepreneurial sell, which you learned as a kid. 
And then you said when you finish grad school, you, it's when you, we, when you, you set up what you call your first legitimate company. Now, what kind of company was that? Yeah, that was a, uh, a company doing medical legal trial presentations for lawyers. So uh, anatomical surgical illustrations for lawyers to use in cases. Um, I, I always love drawing stuff, but I've always been entrepreneurial. So it was just a matter of how am I going to make money uh, drawing stuff. <laughs> and, and so I started just kind of looking at all the different ways. I didn't, I had no interest in being a starving artist. I just wanted to build some kind of a, a business where I could actually make money with that. You know, my, my dream at the time was if I can make a decent living sitting there in my boxers drawing all day at home. That'll be amazing. And, and then I did that. And then I realized it didn't take that long, maybe six months to a year that I realized I wanted more than that was like not a big enough goal for me. Got it. So basically you went into this medical legal trial presentation business. You love to draw but you, at the same time, you do not want to be a starving artist. I mean, I don't blame you. No one else does. Everyone wants to have food on the table. And um, so you found a way. And here's the thing. You find something you love to do. See if you can find a way to integrate it into how you can make money. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just go into a career which they hate, but they figure it gives them a paycheck. But if yeah. you can find a way to make money doing the things you love, that's just a great thing because then you're going to enjoy what you're doing. And you look forward to doing what you're doing every single day. Whereas a lot of people, unfortunately, they do a lot of things they dread going to every single day. So I think that's a very important point because you find a way to combine the two, which unfortunately not many people are able to do. So that was a great thing to do. And at the, at the beginning, you just wanted to make an adequate enough amount of money, which is okay. But then you said after six months to a year, um, you said that, um, that you know you wanted to, your goals weren't big enough you know you, you realize you wanted more you wanted to have bigger yeah. goals and yeah. then when you started thinking bigger how did it change because by the time you were in your 30s you, you know you 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 you've done a whole bunch of different things so was that one of the reasons why you grew so much is because your goals became so much bigger it wasn't enough just to make an adequate income yeah i i, I wanted i wanted to be able to give my wife great things i wanted to be able to you know, take my kids uh, on great trips. Um, you know, this, and, and this was, these were things I was thinking before I even had kids, you know, but, um, but uh, there was, I realized there was a ceiling to how much I could do by myself sitting there. Uh, and, and so I realized to, to scale, to be able to make more, I needed to have more people doing stuff, you know? And so that's when I started hiring uh, employees to, to do, all the different aspects of the business one by one until I, you know, was doing, I was just set out to make, make it set up so that I could do less and less and less. Yeah, I don't know. And that makes sense. And it, it's, it's a big why. I think that's something very important, especially for, especially for those that are considering wanting to become entrepreneurs. You need to have that big why. What is the reason? A lot of times it's your spouse, it's your kids. You, you want to give them a better off. You wanted to buy nice things for your wife. You want to be able to take your kids on these great trips and have these great memories, which I'm sure you were able to do, considering you guys were traveling the world for a whole year, which very few people in this world are able to do. So I can imagine, you, actually, before we go into further business, you might talking about, you know, when you guys took off on that whole year traveling the world. I mean, that must be incredible memories you must have for your kids and for your wives. I'm sure you probably 
It's probably go with pictures from time to time and talking about, man, we went here. This is amazing. We did this. You might talk a little bit about that because uh, I just want people to think about what is possible. And, you know, you, you dream big dreams and what is, you know, when you're able to do that, you can, you can achieve incredible things. So talk about that a little bit, please. Yeah, we, I remember we left the day before my birthday. We were living in Florida and I decided I, I, when I was looking at the calendar months in advance of when we would begin this adventure. And I was like, well, I guess I should kind of do it maybe after my birthday, have my birthday, you know, and then we could get it started. And I was like, or I could have my birthday at Harrods in London and started started that way. And so that's what we did um, in July 2018. We, we took off. It felt insane packing everything, you know, knowing that we, I mean, buying one-way tickets, you know, it wasn't around there. We bought four one-way tickets for my wife, uh, my two kids and I, and uh, yeah, it was just, it was, we went to everywhere you could imagine from, you know, from Dubai to France, to Greece, to India, Thailand, um, Italy, you know, like I mean, China, everywhere. That's amazing. You've seen a lot of different countries, and he did that in one year. Most people won't see all those places in their entire life. So um, yeah. that's the kind of life you can have when you achieve the amount of success you have doing this. So I can imagine the kind of memories. I mean, your kids are probably telling their friends, yeah, we were in China, we were in Dubai, we were in Greece, we were in Thailand. They don't. I mean, they, they actually, it's weird. It's like they actually almost kind of keep it secret for whatever oh, really? reason. They, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't even mention it to to anybody <laughs> yeah they have, they'll have friends that they've been friends with for like a year and then somehow it'll come up that you know what we did and their friends are like what okay that's cool and you mentioned earlier so let's get back to business you mentioned earlier about scaling and you know hiring more employees that's something very important because i think sometimes when people become entrepreneurs when they set up on you know set up on this journey they try to do it all by themselves. So at the beginning, yeah, you may need to do that because you may not be able to afford, you know, a virtual assistant or other kind of employees. But the danger is, as you came to realize, is that after a certain point, you realize you can't scale, you can't duplicate because you can only do so much. And you're trying to wear five or six hats. You're going to get overwhelmed and you might even get burnt out. Because I've seen it happen to a lot of entrepreneurs. So I think it's an important point you brought up because number one, by scaling, by hiring more employees, you're able to focus on the things you do best and the things that, you know, other people can say, Kevin, you just hire other people to do it. And you'll be able to grow so much. Uh, I remember one person once said, if you don't hire, if you don't hire an assistant, then you are one. So um, talk <laughs> a little bit about, you know, a little bit more about that, you know, delegation of duties, you know, duplicating yourself and how important that is if you really want to grow your business, because yeah, I think, well, yeah. Yeah, it's super hard to do. I mean, some people are probably better at it than others, um, but it's really hard to get people, like good people. I, I mean, I, I'm in this community, 12 Mavens, where we have all these CEOs that, that meet together and brainstorm with each other about their challenges and frustrations. And I can tell you from having spent so many hours in these conversations, that's the number one thing that comes up is how to find good people, how to attract them, how to, how to um, compensate them, and then how to keep them. It's really hard to do, um, be, especially right now, the way the world is, there's so many 
you know, there's so many people poaching employees from each other or offering crazy wages um, for the same job and all, all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's really, it's difficult, but, but the, the way to do it is, is uh, to, to really look at your business as if you were going to turn it into a franchise that you're going to sell to people and you just document everything. Like you're going to give somebody the playbook on exactly step-by-step what you need to do, like checklists, screen capture videos, um, uh, you know, process maps, anything that, that collects everything of exactly how it's done so it can be replicated by other people. No, that's good stuff there. Yeah, I, I like the idea of making it to set up basically like a franchise and that you want to sell later on for a good profit. And then write down everything, screenshots, procedures, all that stuff, so that anyone can copy what you can do. Because if you're the only one who knows what to do, right. then it, it, you're going to have a lot of big problems. So I think that's a very good point because there's that proverbial, if you get hit by the bus, other people can take over what you were doing so you can keep the company running. So I think that's very important. Just you know, have the whole procedures, everything written out so that everyone can learn it and duplicate it. Uh, let's talk, you mentioned the 12 maintenance group. So a um, couple of questions. Number one, tell us more about that uh, group of secret CEOs and also talk a little bit more because you mentioned one of their biggest problems is how to hire and keep good people. So what are some of the recommendations that you would give to an entrepreneur who's looking to hire people and is worried about, number one, I want to find someone good because, you know, if you hire bad employees, it could be a problem. And number two, if you have good employees, how do you keep them? Yeah. Um, well, I guess uh, I'll tell you first a little bit about 12 Mavens and, and then just some, some of the things that I've, you know, uh, learned the hard way and from other conversations with other CEOs about, uh, about, uh, finding and hiring and, and keeping good people. The 12 Mavens is basically a, a community of uh, like-minded entrepreneurs and CEOs who serve as each other's confidential think tank. Um, it's a sounding board of, of other risk takers, people that are also, you know, in the trenches and, and building businesses and growing. And, not, you know, no, none of us are as smart as a whole bunch of us combined together. And so mm -hmm. that's basically what we're tapping into is that the power of that thought energy of all these brains combined together, mm -hmm. it's really a powerful thing. All these different uh, past experiences, all these different types of ideas, all these combined connections and resources. And, and you, know, you put them all together, you're able to tap into uh, brains that uh, otherwise you'd never have access to. Um, and so they meet in different uh, you know, groups uh, each month. And, and we do other things as well. We'll bring in top experts on, on, on topics and everybody can, can ask them any questions they want. So every month, you know, we're getting better in all these different aspects of business, sales, marketing, operations, um, you know, cash flow. I mean, on and on and on. Um, but uh, about hiring, and I'm, I'm definitely not like the, the expert on hiring. I'm just like any other entrepreneur always uh, learning some things. Um, you know, from, from uh, bad decisions and past experiences. But I mean, there's, there's different parts to it. One is getting the attention of a potential hire. How do you even get their attention? And there are, you know, a lot of tools for it. There are ways to promote it on your own website. You know, you can ask your team or anybody that you know, who they know that would be good and then offer a compensation. 
to those people for anybody that they refer that ends up, you know, working for you for a certain amount of time. Sometimes those warmer, um, you know, uh, referrals can be better than just a cold applicant. Uh, you can make the job really attractive uh, by by showing why your culture is going to be awesome and and the purpose of what you do. It's something bigger than just the job. Maybe videos of people talking about what an amazing organization it is. Um, you know, just beyond uh, a job post and just text that kind of describes what kind of stuff you're going to do. Um, the onboarding is important. The way you uh, from the very beginning help give them the tools and the, and the training to be successful and, and walking them through and that sort of thing, maybe giving them a, a, a career path that they could grow within your, your organization. Um, the way to keep people is by, I think a lot of it has to do with gratitude and, and appreciating them and thanking them and, and publicly praising them and acknowledging them. Um, uh, getting their feedback along the way, obviously compensating them uh, fairly, all, the, all that stuff. No, and I agree. And a little, you know, when you talk about employees keeping, I think that's very true. I think a lot of people don't realize it's not just money. I mean, a lot of a big reason a lot of people leave their jobs because they don't feel appreciated. They, they don't, you know, they, they do, they work very hard, but their boss doesn't praise them and it doesn't show aggressive. They thank you for all the great work you do. And a lot of times we show more appreciation, much more likely to keep it. So that's a very important point you make. And I like the ideas of referrals, you know, making the job attractive, the onboarding tools and training. I think that's very important for the job as well. But yeah, definitely appreciate them. If you appreciate your employees, you, you'd be amazed at uh, how much, how far that goes and make them want to be more loyal to make them stay there longer. So yeah, gratitude, appreciation, of course, Good pay also helps as well. Right. Um, yeah, and, and you were talking about the 12 mains. When I talk, hear all these things, uh, synchronicity, ideas, connection, resource, meaning in different groups, each one just, you know, uh, just a sounding board. You guys just sharing advice, helping each other out. I just I just think of the mastermind concept in uh, Think and Grow Rich. And that's what it is yeah. because you have yeah. CEOs of different backgrounds, all have different experiences, all have different knowledge. And then everything works in synchronicity because the, you know, whatever the number of people we have in that group works, it's so much stronger than if they're all doing it individually. So I can imagine the ideas that have bounced off all the time and the it, things they learn helps a lot. It's exactly the same thing from thinking we're rich at Mastermind Alliance as Napoleon Hill called it, but that's what Edison realized how important that was. You know, Ford realized how important that was. Andrew Carnegie realized how important that was. And all these people, so I, to me, it's always like, you know, these are smart, successful people that realize that everything will be better by being a part of something like that. And, uh, and then it always blows my mind that somebody that's not quite as successful as, you know, Edison, Ford, or Carnegie, and, uh, and, 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 but they feel like they don't need it, you know, which blows my mind. I, I was watching, uh, uh, a couple of, you know, the, uh, masterclass, you can watch these, you know, uh, famous people give a quote-unquote masterclass or whatever and it was it was kind of funny to me because first I see um, uh, Schultz the CEO of Starbucks talking about getting around how important it is to get around other business leaders and and learning from all their experiences then I go to um, the woman that founded Spanx um, and uh, and she is talking about how she was in a mastermind group for like 
17 years or something like that, all the way from the very beginning up to, you know, going past a billion dollars. Um, and then uh, this was all recently. And then uh, maybe a week or two ago, I'm listening to Joe Rogan interviewing Mr. Beast, the YouTuber. And, you know, is the guy who has the most YouTube views on the planet uh, of any like YouTuber, I think and uh, several, you know, 100 million subscribers now. And, uh, and he's saying how when he was first starting out in YouTube, he was in a group with other YouTubers that would talk all the time about what they're doing so that they could learn, you know, exponentially more lessons that much faster. And I was like, man, how many times do you need to see the, the proof that it, there's something there? No, absolutely. You bring up a very important point. It's not just that masterminds are so helpful because, you know, almost every successful person is involved in some kind of mastermind or was involved in a mastermind when they became successful. They all talk about how important it was. He gave examples, the lady who founded Spanx, uh, Mr. Schultz from Starbucks and so many other people, you know, you, know, you mentioned in the past. Carnegie and Edison, all those people. Every, I, I see this all the time. They all talk about the importance of mastermind alliances and you're right there are a lot of people say well i don't need that here's the thing <clears throat> in just success leaves clues you want to do what the successful people are doing if they're doing it there's a reason for it and if you think you don't need it um and you're, you're not teachable and you're not open-minded it's going to hurt you a lot it's going to limit the amount of success you have don't think that you know it all because when you know it you think you know it all you don't know it all and you won't accomplish much so you should follow what the successful people are doing there's a reason for it and if it's working for them there's a good chance it's going to work for you so i think being teachable is very important don't be stubborn don't think like you don't have to do what they do and that happens a lot with people you'd be amazed you you, you mentioned and i thought i thought that was a very important point if these people are doing it, you should probably do it too, because they said it made them more successful. So if you do it, you will probably be more successful too. So great point about you know being teacher, not thinking you don't need to you know do those things because it's going to hurt you. Um, one qu another question I want to ask you about: um, Would you would you say that was personal development and you know work on your mindset an important part of your entrepreneurial journey? Did that help you become more successful? Yeah, I, I think it's maybe the most important thing. Uh, like, uh, to me, there, there's just, there's something to be said for perseverance and a mental toughness to just keep picking yourself back up and moving forward and keep getting up from another kick in the teeth and then moving forward. I think that's really the biggest thing. The most successful people that I know, um, you know, didn't necessarily have the best education or come from the best background or are the most charismatic or the most brilliant. I think, you know, they have all, all those things, but, but I think the thing that separates them from just average success people is they have a certain outlook of boldness, uh, like a, a, a certain belief in what's possible for them. That's another level from, the average person they have a, a you know a respect for themselves and what they feel they deserve and a, and a mental toughness um, a willingness to to put themselves in uh, situations that others might be too shy you know they that they have that which you can't really uh i don't know how you can you know really define it but it, it's a certain 
element of like um, an expectation of success that they they just feel it's not it's just a matter of time. You know, absolutely, and you, you you gave some good examples here. Number one, something for our audience to remember: you don't necessarily have to be the best educated person, have the best circumstances, because a lot of successful people do not have that. Uh, you mentioned Thomas Edison; I think he had a, a third grade education, and he became this incredible successful. And then many other examples of people that are like that. So, yeah, th these people they're successful; they have a perseverance, as you mentioned, a mental toughness; they don't give up on themselves. You know, they, they they have this great outlook. They have this belief in themselves. They're bold. They're willing to take chances. They have this courage and they have an expectation of success. And this, you know, a lot, a lot of times what you expect will, will come about, will become true because you have this reticular activating system. So whatever you think you're going to expect, very often your subconscious will work to get you what you expect. So if you expect you won't be successful, very likely you won't be successful. But you have this great expectation of success you will eventually get it because that's what you expect. The circumstances will lead you to it and you will do the things that will, that will lead you to success. So expectation, I think is very important. So that, that is definitely a great point you made. And, and I'm glad you shared that. Um, success, we all have this mindset, this perseverance, thing, this stick to itness. They don't give up because they really want that success. And as we're getting toward the end, I have a question for you now. For those that are, what advice would you give to people who are thinking of becoming are thinking about becoming entrepreneurs they're saying you know i want to be an entrepreneur but i'm not sure exactly what to do and you know what qualities you think they should have so that they can become successful as an entrepreneur yeah uh, my wife used to tell because i used to tell everybody to be an entrepreneur and start a business my wife told me you know you can't give that advice to everybody for some people that's gonna be a bad outcome and so i i would say you know it is tough man there's this uh, there's this uh, kind of image and romantic, you know, picture of entrepreneurship and you, you can take these super long lunches and then go on these lavish trips with all this money. And then, you know, that's the, the majority of business owners are working their asses off. Um, at, at Michael Gerber, who wrote a book called The E-Myth, says people have an entrepreneurial seizure they decide to go into business working for themselves, and then they soon realize they're working for a lunatic. And uh, and I found that to be true. You 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 make yourself work crazy hours. Uh, you put have a lot of pressure. It's all on you. Um, so you have to be willing to do that. Um, so uh, know that no matter what kind of business, it's no business is really super easy. They all are challenging. They can get easier as you go. If you get more structure, more support and that sort of thing, then it can get easier and it should get easier. But, but, uh, but, you know, building a business, starting a business, it, it takes a lot of hard work. No, absolutely. And I, and then that's a definitely an excellent point because I think you're right. A lot of people, when they get started, they think, Oh, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be, you know, on the beach, I'm just going to be drinking, you well, know, maybe they will. eventually, but now when they get started in the first week, it's highly unlikely, but it's going to take time. Eventually, <laughs> I mean, it happened with you, you know, eventually you're able to take that trip around the world with your family, but it took some time. You had to work hard. You put in the time yeah. and the effort. It, 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 it didn't happen overnight. And I think that's your, no. your point. So it, it takes a lot of hard work, regardless of what type of entrepreneur journey you go on. It's going to take some time and effort. And eventually, like you said, it can get easier 
if you get the help, the support, the employees, you're able mm -hmm. to duplicate yourself. So, but it, it, you're right because I think a lot of people think, well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have a boss. I want to work for myself, and uh, it's going to be so easy. And it's not in the beginning. You have to put in a lot of time and effort, like you said. The business owners, a lot of them, especially the the offline business owners that have stores and stuff like that, they put in a lot of time and effort. But it can it can be a re very rewarding journey. And I'm glad you mentioned Gerber's The Eve Myth, and uh, he also wrote another book called The Eve Myth Revisit. I highly recommend people read those books because it gives you an idea. Because sometimes people have false expectations and they realize, man, um, I'm starting my own business, and they think they're just going to wear one hat. They were good at what they did. But when they have their own business at the beginning, they're wearing four or five different hats. And sometimes it can be overwhelmed. They can burn out. So uh, great advice there. So uh, number one, you know, I just want to say, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being on this show. Really appreciate you being on here. And thank you for sharing all your wisdom and value with us. I know the people listening to this interview are going to get a lot out of it because they're definitely learning a lot because I can tell you I learned a lot. And so we okay. thank you uh, again for being on this show. And before we let you go, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, um, 12mavens.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Just look up Jeff Davis on LinkedIn. And uh, and if somebody wants to shoot me an email, my email is jeff at 12mavens.com. And uh, mention, that, uh, mention that you heard this podcast. Awesome. So, okay, guys, you heard that. Go to 12mavens.com, look up Jeff Davis on LinkedIn, or just email him at jeff at 12mavens.com. Jeff, thank you again for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you, Victor. Bye-bye. It's been great. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.